and welcome to another episode of The Sports Boys. I'm uh, Craig Farkerson, and today I'm joined by Thomas McCaffrey. Hello. Gavin Murphy. Hiya. And Austin Benson. All right. Right, let's talk about the international friendlies that happened this week. Uh, we'll start with uh, the, well, I say the local one, the Scotland-Austria. Um, Gavin, what did you think of the game? Yeah, it's a really, really good game. Uh, played, played at a good pace, and Scotland got the two goals. But I wouldn't say that they were ever, you know, dominant in the game. Austria had their chances. Craig Gordon by a country mile is probably the man in the match. Um, even uh, at nothing each, he made a great save. Keep it nothing each, and then when Austria pulled it back to two each, he pretty much saved the game from becoming a complete disaster for Scotland after having that early lead. But a couple of good performances. It was good to get a couple of players playing that you have not seen as much. But some really good signs going into the crucial game against Ukraine. Uh, it is a little bit worrying that we can't seem to see a game out. Of course, we had that terrible decision in the Poland game at the end, which cost us, which is uh, absolutely baffling. It's like one of the worst penalties I've seen in ages. But... Um, no, we were looking good. We were looking really good. Um, it's just it's weird to be in the situation for, with Scotland where you're looking forward to international breaks and wanting to see this team play. Because looking at like the goal we scored for our second goal is probably the best team goal I've seen Scotland score in my lifetime. I mean, we've seen amazing goals like McFadden's goals, um, but nothing that kind of quick pass and play. And it was absolutely electric to see. Austin, what do you think the chances are of Scotland, uh, well, if we do play Ukraine and Wales, well, we'll uh, getting through to the World Cup? Yeah, uh, I feel, I want to say optimistic. Uh, I'd more, I'd prefer Ukraine, if I'm being honest. But of course, uh, with circumstances, that may not be the case. Uh, with Wales, you have a sort of more um, organised outfit, I would say. Uh, though, one just they just have one particular star man in Gareth Bale, so I feel as long as we could single him out uh, and take him on, I feel though as though we could like shut them out and maybe get a quick goal in. Okay, um, what do you think, Thomas? What do you think of our uh, chances of getting through? I think it'll all depend on what mentality Ukraine show up with. Um, there a lot of their players who play outside of Ukraine at the moment. Um, have been in very good form. Uh, I'm thinking of players such as like uh, Yarmolenko for West Ham. He's been brilliant. He scored a good few goals this season already after since the war began. Um, Zinchenko has been good for Man City when he's appeared. But it'll all depend on how the political side um, of what's going on in their home country affects them. I think if they if they can put that to one side for the 90 minutes and play football, I, it's going to be a really difficult game. If they can't, I think Scotland are a very strong team and will run them ragged. Against Wales, I'm not so sure. Um, Gareth Bale hasn't been really given the opportunity this season at club level, but when he's played internationally, he's been very strong um, and still looks like a real threat even sort of in his later years in his career. Right, shall we move on to the England friendly? Uh, I watched this one, and I was expecting a lot from Ivory Coast, and I think the only shot they had on target was from the second half kickoff. They shot from the halfway line, and they went down Pickwards. Uh, no, it was Pope's uh, thingy. For a team with that much talent, like, Everybody except for maybe about three players I had seen previously. Like I knew I was like, oh, Kessie plays for Milan, and you've got Haller up front who plays for Ajax, and then you've got Nicola Pepe. Um, like it is a very very strong team, and I was wondering, well, how did this lot not qualify for the World Cup? But looking that on the performance that they did play against England, um, it was disappointing. Like they, they they don't look like a cohesive team. They like Haller didn't get the ball, uh, and um, like England didn't 
England didn't play. I don't think England played that well because Ivory Coast played that poorly, and it was just it was just a nothing game. Uh, just England just passed the ball, but they felt like creating an opportunity they would, and they did. The man of the match for me was probably Jude Bellingham. That boy is a baller, an absolute baller. Um, looking at him going forward, he's only 18, and it's scary that for the next. England could have him for the next 10 years. If he doesn't start during the World Cup, that is that would be surprising. The other player that stood out for me was uh, Sterling. Sterling seemed to have played like... It was like uh, he, he came off the wing, he kept on moving about, when, but when he was deeper and driving at people, like when he picked the ball like near the halfway line, started driving at Ivy Cross, they had no clue what to do. And like he won countless free kicks. Uh, he scored a very good goal. That was a good uh, assist from Jack Grealish. But for England in the World Cup, like they're, they're going to obviously have bigger fish to fry than, than that. And looking at going to the World Cup, they have to be called one of the favourites, unfortunately. Um, Austin, what do you think of England's chances? Well, again, it's a question of, like Tom said earlier with Ukraine, I would say it's a question of mentality. England fans have always they've been begging for success for years and they've just never caught it. They've been very close a few times, especially recently, but uh, they just can't quite get there. And I'm not sure what's holding this team back because like, right now, say this is like a team of superstars. I wouldn't say there's a particular problem that needs singled out, be it um, defence like they had before or up front. You know, I think all round, uh, they should have like very good chances, but it really depends on what their mentality will be. Um, how much they want it as well, I could you could see because uh, the Euros you felt they mainly got through just because of the home advantage, I would argue, and uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, but you know they won't have that sort of home advantage with them, of course, away in Qatar. Maybe their fans can bring some of that feeling with them, but uh, yeah, I think they'll have a good chance. Uh, generally speaking, it just depends on if they really want it. Gavin, what did you think of the Harry Maguire situation? It's a hard one to judge, really. Um, you can see why the fans are booing the selection, because based on his club form, he really shouldn't be there. He's been not having a great season for uh, United. But usually when he plays for England, he was solid, like as Austin was mentioning about um, in the summer for the uh, Euros. He, um, he was a pivotal part of that team. And I'd say that he was probably the best defender. So I don't see what the I don't see what the issue is with him for England. There is players that do raise their form when they go to international tournaments. Um, so I would continue to pick him until he does something wrong. It's the same situation as Jordan Pickford, where a lot of, a lot of people want to see him dropped as well. But until he makes a mistake, I believe I saw a stat saying that while playing for England, he's had zero mistakes leading to goals. So there's not really anything you can do. And with Man United, I'd say it's a different kettle of fish. So I would, I would absolutely try to get rid of him, but you're not going to get rid of him because of the money that you spent on him. So he will be a Man United player probably for the rest of his career. But in terms of England, I think you have to pick him. The one thing I would say about the England squad is that Tomori definitely has to be in there. I think that uh, Southgate's loyalty sort of let him down on that one. But other than that, I don't think you can question the selection of Gareth Southgate. It's kind of like Steve Clark with Scotland. He's kind of earned that sort of... He's earned the right to sort of pick the team that he wants to pick. I mean, he got them to a, a final and a semi-final of the World Cup. So we can't really question him. Thomas, what did you think of uh, Harry Maguire being booed then? Uh, yeah, you know, as Gavin said, it's a difficult one to call. Um... With his current league form, he definitely shouldn't have been there. And I would have put in someone like Tamori or um, or Chris Smalling, even over him into the England lineup. It's a friendly match. They can get away with it. Based on his international form, it makes me question whether or not Man United is the right club for him. Maybe something like a move back to Leicester, a move to Tottenham might not be the worst idea. Get him playing with a different group of players, different management. Um, I, I don't think it was right to boo him. I think he's been brilliant when he's showed up for England. 
he's always a solid player for them. Always gets a couple of goals when he goes to uh, international competitions because, I mean, he's just got a giant head, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I think they're completely wrong to boom, but at the same time, I can understand why. Right, um, shall we go on and talk about Ireland, Thomas? I know you're chomping at a bit to tell us about this magnificent win against Lithuania. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was some game. Um, I think we were very dominant over the whole game. I think our selection was good. Um, we're bringing up a lot of players from the Republic of Ireland League who wouldn't normally get um, international recognition. But, you know, they showed themselves in good light. Uh, I think the decision to play Kevin Kelleher in goal was a really good move. Although he isn't playing consistently for Liverpool, when he does show up, he's usually very impressive. I mean, he scored that penalty against Kepa. You know, he's. I think he deserves that place in the Ireland lineup. Although we were dominant, we didn't create the chances that we should have done. And when we did get the chances, we couldn't convert them. But that's they'll come in time. As the players play a little bit more together, that will come. We got a good result earlier against uh, against a weaker Belgium team. Um, we got a 2-2 draw, which even though it was a weaker team, it's still Premier League quality players that we're up against. And so I think that's quite a good result. In terms of the finish, absolutely world class. I, I couldn't believe it when I went in. And I think players like James McLean um, he's he's getting older but he stood out for us um, and he created so many great opportunities his passing is still world class um, we're not going to be in European football well in like world tournament football uh, I'd say for the next four years at least but it was it was promising it's promising yeah, there has been a bit of a turnaround by Ireland. Should we now talk about the World Cup draw? I know Scotland aren't in it, but I'm named in the pot. It is quite exciting. Um, I've written down, like, dream scenario and nightmare scenario. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just exciting to be in like, a World Cup draw. Like, I, was, I, mean, I, don't, I think I might be the only person alive here last time Scotland won the World Cup, or the only person I'll be able to remember it. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I got the nappies. <laughs> right. So, looking at our dream scenario, like our pot one team would be Qatar, our pot two team would be USA, and our pot three team would be Tunisia. Would you all agree with that? Would you say that's the dream scenario there? I, I do not want to play the USA. I do. I just. Oh, do not. The, the rest of that pot are. <laughs> not about, you know. Uh, I'd, I'd rather play Switzerland, to be honest. Than the right, USA. I think we're alright. If playing, they're, they're dangerous as anything. But they do lack ability sometimes. Uh, their, their striker situation is always funny. It's either Mbolo, and anytime I've seen Mbolo play, I think he's mince. And who's that <laughs> boy that played for in the Portuguese league? Oh, what's his name? I'm going to call it or something. Um, oh. A D, uh, Switzerland. Yeah. So, yeah, the other Swiss striker, really, really bad. I'm, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at foot, with my football hipster here, Austin. Austin should know this. I'm, I'm <laughs> should as well, and I'm, I'm like, I'm scrambling your man, honestly. Oh, 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 I, I know, I know who I'm talking about. I think everyone knows this about because he's yeah, still, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. I think he's good for like, is it Benfica or something like that? Mm. Every other um, thing. <laughs> when he gets the, when he puts on a Switzerland jersey. He just he turns into a fucking clown. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I would argue that there is a couple of teams in Pot Two because Uruguay sounds like a big name, but watching them in qualification, they don't look up to it at all. And Cavani's aging out. I, don't, I mean, it's I doubt if he even makes the World Cup based on his sort of injury record that he's had from Man United this season. You could easily see him missing out on the tournament. Um. And if that was the case, I, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't be happy to get Uruguay, but I'd be. I wouldn't be like very upset. I'd. I'd like to avoid though Germany, 
in the Netherlands and um, maybe Denmark because I don't want to have made them mad by uh, you know beating them in that uh, last game. Well, that brings us on to the nightmare scenario. I would say the nightmare scenario might be Brazil, Germany, Senegal. Uh, oh, well, I mean, with Brazil being, what, the best team in the world at the moment, I think I think that's a fair goal. That's yeah, well, an absolute you know, joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's well, see, well, Belgium... Right, Belgium or what do you call it? And probably the other team, like you can have any anyone in that top bracket there that isn't a France. Mm. That is uh, sorry, that isn't a Qatar is your oh. is your nightmare scenario. I was gonna say because France might have been my more of my top nightmare scenarios. Yeah, I just picked Brazil because you know they're the best team in the world according to FIFA rankings, and everybody knows the FIFA rankings are right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Then probably I know. Then probably Senegal in pot three. I mean, there's a couple of other decent uh, think, uh, teams in pot three, but you know, it's it's it's, it's it's hard to you know pick. Because I mean, looking at here, I mean, obviously, like I wouldn't mind playing Iran, Japan. I wouldn't mind playing Morocco, mm. Serbia. I think have improved since we beat them in Serbia. It, uh, it would, it'd be fun to get Morocco and then have like play them the first game. So that our last game at the World Cup in '98 was against Morocco, and then we play them in the first game back. It'd be kind of poetic, wouldn't it? That would be quite poetic. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they don't then gub us free now again. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. It would be. Yeah, it would be. Um, you want to look at like England's um, nightmare scenario? Uh, that'd be Germany, probably Senegal, and I picked. I picked from Pot Four Canada, but I know that okay. people would probably disagree with me on that. But I think the Canadian teams are all right. Maybe you can you can yeah. you could probably see Cameroon, Canada, Ecuador, maybe Ghana, but like Cameroon in qualification did not look up to it at all. Um, they did put out uh, the Ivory Coast, who you mentioned earlier, but even in that group, they didn't. They were very lucky to get through. Like uh, very much came down to just the game again between Cameroon and Ivory Coast, because Ivory Coast somehow managed to draw with Mozambique <laughs> at some point. But I wouldn't be worried about Cameroon at all. Yeah, watch, watch, think... watch, watch them go and win it now. <laughs> for the World Cup. I, want, I do want to see an, an African team do really well at this World Cup. I always think it adds a bit of colour because I remember when it was like, uh, what was it, Ghana in like 2010 or something, and they got done in by Uruguay. And I thought, because uh, the Luis Suarez handball, if they scored that, they, score they go through, and then after that, it's the first African team in the semi final of the World Cup. I'm always, I'm always just wanting to support an African team and want to see them, you know. Get through and and do well, uh, Thomas. Uh, what were you going to say there? Uh, yeah, I was going to say I think from pot four for England, sort of the nightmare would be Scotland, and uh, although Scotland getting England would be a bit of a nightmare, I don't think England will want us because I think that when Scotland show up, they can really cause problems. I don't think they'd want Wales either. If Wales were to get through, just saying if we because they have they've historically kind of struggled playing Wales, um, so I think yeah maybe them as well. Austin, what do you think from pot four? Who do you think would be England's nightmare? Um, well, right now, loudly speaking, uh, I'll say. I mean, with England, there's always some tough teams they'll be facing. They always try and make it tough for themselves, I reckon. But I think they'll do reasonably well. Uh, you know, regardless of the mentality problem, that it is. I feel like England always get quite a straightforward group in yeah. whatever competition, but then they make it look hard for themselves. Definitely, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the England way, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you could argue. <laughs> no, no. Um, so a nightmare scenario for them, uh, I would say, at pot four, would be, excuse me, I would say somewhere Cam- Cameroon, um, you could argue. I mean, Afcon. I thought they they were solid all round. Uh, very unlucky not to go further, not to win it. I thought it was quite harsh on them. Vincent Abubakar was amazing there. Uh, Canada as well, of course. Newcomers just returning uh, to the World Cup, and 
I mean, what a team they have now, you know. Kyle Ladin, Alfonso Davies, they have a great unit. So they'd be quite a tricky team to face as well. You feel um, Alfonso Davies' pace will be a big concern for England as well. Uh, on other teams, though, I would, mm, it's hard to say uh, if any of these teams would be a nightmare scenario uh, necessarily. If, if Costa Rica should make it, I suppose, because... I mean, America. I mean, sorry, not America. Uh, Costa Rica just beat America two uh, 0 recently. So you feel Costa Rica they're able to take on sort of bigger teams. Uh, they might give England a shot. They might give England a goal. Uh, on top of that, as well, there's Wales who I hope don't get through. Scotland, I feel, yeah, they would definitely give England a goal as usual. You know, it'd be nice to see Scotland and England sort of re. Reunite again the World Cup, although some will probably feel it's a bit uh, forced. Maybe it's a bit typical that that should happen, you know. Maybe throw in an argument about like, oh, the, the supercomputer or something like they do in the league in Scotland. But uh, no, it, it would be good. It would be good. All right. Okay. Um, well, the England dream scenario would probably be US, Tunisia, and Saudi Arabia. Everyone agree with that? Yeah. I'd say so. Um, right. Looking at the teams that we've got here in front of us, who do you think, obviously the draw hasn't been done yet, who do you think uh, will win the World Cup? Uh, we'll go with Austin first. Mm, I really want to throw one out of left field and, and say some wild team. Uh, realistically, um, I want to throw two out here. I'll say realistically, uh, France, I feel the squad's just... Absolutely phenomenal. Nothing wrong with it. Top to bottom. Some of the best players in the world. Uh, their squad depth is amazing as well. That would really carry them, I feel. Didier Deschamps, again, absolutely just not put it wrong yet. So um, I feel realistically they'd be odds on to win it. If I want to throw in an outsider, uh, I'd like to shout out Morocco. Vahid uh, Halil Hodzic done very well to keep Morocco going after the last World Cup and after Herb Bernard left. Uh, the squad has improved significantly, especially with some domestic talents coming through, including Sofiane Rahimi. He's now in the UAE, but he did amazingly for Raja Casablanca. And it would be, be nice. It would be nice to see Morocco go far because you feel, with their squad improving over the years, you feel that they have. They have a good chance here. I mean, in continental uh, tournaments in Africa, they have definitely um, been successful recently. So I would like to see that continue on to the international stage as well. Although Hal Hodzic uh, has disenfranchised Hakim Zayek from the team, which I feel could uh, be to their detriment. They had a falling out quite notably because Zayek, I think, had an issue with playing time. He wasn't getting included enough. However, uh, no, they, they kept going, they persevered and yeah, I, I would like to shout out Morocco, I feel maybe they could uh, somehow do it Okay um, Thomas, uh, who do you think will be uh, winning the World Cup? Oh, you, you know you're going to hate me for saying it but I can't see England not winning um, mm. uh, uh, and that, that pains <laughs> me <laughs> that, that pains me to say but if you look at the depth of squad that they have, if you look at who at how good a run they had in the Euros, the fact that Italy aren't going to be at the World Cup, and if you look at uh, sort of like the last three Euros and how they've affected who's won the World Cup, you had Germany lose the final to, I want to say, Spain uh, three Euros ago. They went on to win the World Cup. Then France lost to Portugal in the final. France won the World Cup. England did lose the final to Italy. It's it's definitely is definitely a possibility that they'll go all the way. I can't see any of the teams outside of Europe stopping them. And I can't see France not buckling under the pressure. What about you, Gavin? Who are you going to go with here? Uh, well, just like Thomas said, I've I can see France buckling under the pressure. Otherwise, squad-wise, you'd have to pick them. But I just don't see it. I think it will come from outside of Europe. I think that Argentina are going to win the World Cup. And I think I think Messi will get the World Cup and then retire. Oh. Um, I believe 
Argentina are on like a crazy run of games without being beaten. They've won since they've won the Copa America, they've not lost a game. I mean, they're obviously not quite at Brazil's level, who are the number one team in the world, despite losing to Argentina since <laughs> since the, in the Copa America final and then also not beating them in any of the games after. Um, but yeah, they've got a good team. Um, and depending on how the draw falls, I could definitely see them going all the way. I just I don't think there's any sort of outstanding contender though mm. for the World Cup. Like when you look at that pot one, you could maybe see a winner coming from most of those sides. And then even you've got Germany in pot two, who are always in with a chance, no matter even though their form hasn't been great lately, you can still definitely see them coming through. But if you have to ask me today, it's Argentina. If you ask me tomorrow, it could be someone else. But for now, I'd probably go with Argentina. Imagine how many Messi Ronaldo arguments that would end on Twitter. I can't be asked with Argentina on it. I can't be asked. Yeah, just, 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 no. I don't want to. Uh, like, none of that. I'm very much not on my timeline as it is. Uh, but there's not the same amount of things in international. Shut up. Shut up. No. Uh, let's, just, let's just clear that up. It will end no arguments on Twitter. It will just create more arguments on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right to be there. Oh, no. Definitely not. Uh, my choice would probably... <laughs> see, if I'm, if I'm going to go for a dark horse, there's like a couple... I'm going to put two here. There's a couple of teams I quite like in there. Germany, obviously. I like Denmark. I think Denmark are an excellent team. And I think that they've got... They lack depth, but they're like probably first choice... like. 15 players uh, could fit in a, any team in pot one, I would say. Because uh, this is like this is their version of the golden generation for them. Uh, Netherlands, if, like Van Dijk's fit, De Ligt's fit, like two very, very solid centre-backs. You would think, uh, looking at them, going into it, they'd be all right. I don't think Argentina will want it. I think defensively they're not good enough. I think they haven't. I mean, you say they're undefeated, but uh, I would look at the the teams that they've versed, except for probably Brazil, and be like, well, well, well be like, yeah, they're not. It's not. It's not. An, I don't think it's impressive. But same way with like Scotland's undefeated run. I don't think it's that impressive because there's there's teams in there that we should beat. If you know what I mean, like we're eight. What's it? Eight undefeated, and there's teams that we should have have beaten, sort of thing. And not normally we don't, but it's it's Scotland, so we celebrate any undefeated one that we've got. <laughs> we do. Um, looking forward, like this is Belgium's last chance. And this is Belgium's last chance to win a World Cup. They have to come out all guns a blazing here, because like De Bruyne is, he's entering his thirties soon. Hazard's entering his thirties. Uh, Lukaku's away to enter his thirties. It's like the there doesn't seem to be any like up and coming youth players that would add to that team. They've got Tielemans, who's probably like the youngest in that generation, but they need to they need to like this is it for them. This is all or nothing in Qatar for them. Um I'd probably say for me I, I wanna go Brazil because I think uh they they have this sort of like steeliness to them. Like their midfield is their midfield is just a bunch of centre defensive midfielders, and then they just let, they do it's uh, Fred Fabinho, uh, like they've got a really good like it's similar to I would say like the Liverpool midfield, and I would say most of the Liverpool midfield are defensive midfielders, and then they let the attackers go and do the job, and it's similar in that sense. Uh, oh. Only with us. Well, I mean, a lot of the Brazil squad is made up of Liverpool. Uh, I, th- I think that kind of <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like uh, they, they they have they have like winners all over the park. Uh, I don't know if uh, like if Thiago Silva. Uh, I don't know if he's retired from international football yet, but he could play the World Cup, and he's been solid for Chelsea when they've played. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'd like to see Brazil win it. Um, it would mean it would be good. For, I think it'd be good for like the country and stuff like that as well. Right, uh, now that we've cleared up the World Cup draw, shall we move on to things closer to home? 
Right. Um, Celtic versus Rangers. Uh, it's the big game it's of the weekend. Hard. This is uh, basically this is basically the title. Basically on the line almost. They've got to play each other. I think they've got to play each other in the semi-final and then after the split. But if Celtic win this, Celtic should probably win the title. Uh, Gavin, how much of an importance should be placed on this game? Well, the utmost importance. As you said, it's basically a title decider um, in terms of if Celtic win. Because looking at the table just now, Celtic are sitting on 76 points and Rangers on 73 but there's a 14 difference in the goal difference. So that's basically another point. So if Celtic were to win this game, they'd be effectively seven points clear with only, what is it, six games to go. And I just can't see them dropping that many points. It's not it's not out of the question. I mean, we saw with Rangers when they came back from the winter break, they dropped a large amount of points in sort of quick fashion, which isn't off the table. But would be a big ask for Rangers. Um, though Rangers aren't out of this game by any means. Um, I think that it's going to be a very, very tight affair. I don't see anything like um, the Celtic Park game happening again. I think, especially in that atmosphere, I believe there will be some Celtic fans in attendance, but it's not going to be a large amount. I think that Rangers could get on top of Celtic. Um, I myself personally am very glad to hear that Alfredo Morelos will not be playing um, against Celtic, uh, despite his poor record in the fixture, he's an absolute top-class striker. So hearing that he's going to be out is a big boost. Um, I think Van Bronckhorst will have to make a change to the way he set up against Celtic because the way that he set up in that previous fixture just it played right into our hands. Uh, being able to sort of just sit back, counter-attack, and then even at points we weren't even counter-attacking anymore. We were right on top of them, but. It's an absolute massive fixture, and I just can't wait to. I can't wait for it to start. I think it's going to be a great game, and this title race so far this year has been a great advert for the Scottish game. It's good to have it back, sort of, rather than one team running away with it. I believe it's the first title race in a decade, pretty much, and long may it continue. Though I'm not sure if my heart can take it, to be honest. But I think I'm really, I'm really enjoyed this season so far. Uh, we'll go to our secret Rangers fan, Austin. Austin, how do you think uh, having uh, without a friend against uh, Celtic will affect them? Well, it's it's a massive loss. Honestly, you can't be underestimated. Morelos has been absolutely he's been really good since he you know returned and after Colombia as well. Obviously, he wants to show his manager there that he's making some mistakes by not playing him, but also. Um, Rangers without Morelos, they really lack something up front as well. You feel Morelos is the one generally pulling the strings and attack the Rangers. He sort of glides across that front three, he goes sort of past the box almost. He's a top creator, he's, especially in his uh, last couple of games like against St. Johnson. He, he took on a more sort of creative role uh, as opposed to just the general target man that he usually would be. But uh, no, it's, it's going to be a huge loss. I'd like to see. Uh, Kemar okay, Roof ideally like fit right in, uh, and he will slot in his position. But whether he, he fits into the team setup that Van Bronckhorst uh, has and what he wants from him or not, it's not certain. I mean, Van Bronckhorst, uh, he seems to like Kemar Roof a little bit, at least when he brings him off the bench and Roof will grab a winner, uh, which I think has been great. But the point is, uh, it will be a huge miss if we can get our formation right. This is going to be the big difference. Uh, Scott Arfield, I really wouldn't like to see him play. I feel he offers little to nothing uh, going up front for Rangers and Van Bronckhorst has continued to play him sort of out on the wings for some reason. He doesn't seem to offer any pace. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the ability to take on a man and beat him. So I wouldn't like to see Arfield play. I'd rather see Sakala play. I feel his pace uh, would really be able to penetrate Celtic's defence, but also his skill along the sideline as well. No, it'd be, it'd be good. I hope we don't Sarah, like we did the last time against Celtic, though, Parkhead, where we were complacent. Initially, we sort of allowed Celtic in. We invited them into the game, and I really don't want to see that, uh, Ibrox. I want to see sort of us right out of the gate. Um, whether we will, though, or not, it's, it's not a guarantee. The last game, uh, the last little firm, sorry, at Ibrox in August was kind of a 
brutal fixture really. It wasn't like we outclassed Celtic. It was quite tight. Uh, but you feel but you feel like Postacoglu was sort of still in his early days at Celtic, so I don't know, look at where they are now, I guess it's sort of reflected on him a bit better now. Maybe it was a learning curve, but yeah, it, it'll be a, it'll be come down to some margins, I should hope. Yeah, I really do feel it well, especially being at Ibrooks again, the home advantage Celtic for them. I'm sure their home advantage against us was absolutely massive. And I feel that definitely um, helps either side, depending on which ground they play at. The fans really do get behind their teams, as we know. Rangers are allowing in Celtic fans, which is an interesting choice, of course. Uh, I won't comment on allocation debate. We know there's been quite a lot said about that, but no, uh, it shouldn't affect things overall, I hope. Uh, we'll be bringing ourselves. We'll be shouting off the top of our lungs. I'm sure I'll lose my voice. So <laughs> uh, either way, win or lose, I'm, I'm going to lose my voice as well. It'll be a good result, hopefully. I feel slim margins will be the key and we sit down. As long as we don't stay complacent, uh, that'll be the difference for us. Thomas, with uh, Rangers off the field problems with the Australia uh, tournament being cancelled, do you think this will affect them going into the game? Um, no. I, I, I can't see it really affecting them. Um, if anything, it'll have more of a positive effect um, because they'll have their fans more on side with them that they've pulled out of the uh, Australian tournament, which was a very weird decision in the first place. How was that a weird so, decision? Because as a Dundee fan, like if I'm going to Australia and we're playing Dundee United in Australia, that's a big deal. Generates money for the club. Mm. I I think the Rangers fans have like misinterpreted this. And I don't understand what the issue is because right. Rangers and Celtic fans all over the world would like to see their clubs play in other countries and it generates money and exposure for the clubs because there was talk years ago about Dundee and Celtic playing an SPL match in America. Yeah. Right? So, and there wasn't an outcry then. Why is there an outcry now? I, I totally can see it, especially the way it was marketed because it's been marketed as sort of Ange Postacoglu's Australian homecoming. Can you imagine the the uprise from Celtic fans if it was a game being played, say, in Holland and it was marketed as Van Bronckhorst's return to Holland and but, uh, we were going over there to play them? It would. Yeah. It, that's how they're going. Uh, that's that's the main focal point. He is an Australian man, and like if they're going to want to sell this game to people who haven't seen it, then that's how they're going to sell it. Would, that's would what you, I don't understand. I mean, let's say if it was me, I wouldn't. Maybe it's just because I'm not part of this old firm culture of, like, and I, I, I just don't get it. But when it comes to that, like, yeah. I think, I, I think, like, it's generating exposure for the club. They're going to get money for it, right? And they're going across the world and they're expanding their fan base. Because if people go over, it's like, if Rangers go over there and sell, what do you call it, 10,000 jerseys, right? 10,000 mm-hmm. jerseys for the game, right? £40 a piece. That's a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And uh, and that's the thing. Rangers fans are. Uh, let's say if, let's say um in a couple of seasons they'll be like, oh, why aren't Rangers spending the money? Because you as the fans didn't allow them to go. Yeah. I I honestly cannot fathom this at all. I mean, it's just mind blowing. And I do get that. Yeah, it's Ange Postecoglou's big homecoming, but they 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 were so they seem so wrapped up in that that. It just seems, it just seems like it doesn't seem to help the club. They were saying too much on, like, well, it's all about Celtic. It's all about Celtic. It's not about us. That 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 doesn't work. That doesn't mm. work because Rangers are a business and they need mm. to generate money and money then buys transfers, which keeps the fans happy. I'd like to say something. Uh, okay, I, I see. I see the points from both of you here. Uh, Gavin and Craig, to be honest, Gavin is, he is right, he is sort of one-sided marketing, and that's obviously already going to draw um, a line in the sand between us, of course. Also, on Craig's point there, that it's great for business and great for exposure, I absolutely agree on that. However, uh, such a, a fixture such as this, you feel there's an attitude um, 
be it from more from Rangers fans, I would say, than Celtic fans currently, that we just don't want to to move it. We don't want to see it sort of I won't say gentrified, but you know commercialised. Commercialised, yeah, I would say that definitely. And we don't want to see it sort of lose its you know we don't want to see the rivalry getting lost at all and any of that, you know, commercial sort of place because I mean, the rivalry is obviously huge and it will touch like many continents. I'm sure it touches every continent, obviously, bar Antarctica in the world. But uh, the point is, <laughs> it needs to. I feel a lot of fans want it just the classic way Glasgow, keep it there, you know. And I totally agree. But this isn't good on Rangers, the Rangers board. I feel this is, it'll have less impact on the Celtic board. And it's definitely drawing a line between us as fans and the Rangers board even further mm-hmm. uh, there's been a massive divide and it's going to be harder for Rangers to sort of redeem themselves now uh, people are more upset with Rangers frankly for agreeing to it than Celtic for even uh, wanting to take part in it which it's not it's not their fault uh, either I suppose you know this is Sancho Osteo's homecoming I'm sure how many A-leagues uh, had this agreement maybe ahead of time and but yeah, the fact that Rangers even agreed to it in the first place is definitely going to be sticking with fans, going to be sticking in their minds for a long time now. And hopefully, maybe a result, a positive result against Celtic can sway that a little bit. But I don't know in the grand scheme of things if it really will uh, overall affect people's opinions on the board. So, yeah, it's just controversial all round, isn't it? I'd just like but, to add one one little thing on that. Um so when you mentioned like sort of the you said gentrification, the commercialisation sort of aspect mm. of it, do you not think that's exactly that is the big issue? Because you see teams like Liverpool and Man United, I believe they just announced they're going over to Thailand to play a game, and there's been no sort of uproar about oh big rivals playing each other. It's because of the nature of this game; it can't really ever be a friendly. The nature of the rivalry it would really take away for something for them to go and play, have that name of the sort of the old farm game and it being a sort of reserve game miles away, just like for meaning absolutely nothing. There's never been a meaningless old farm game between these two teams. So that would really take away from it. And for Craig, when you said you don't really understand, can you imagine if it was a Dundee United legend and Dundee had decided they were going to hop foot all over the world to go and play Dundee United in honour of like, one of their players. I'm not, I'm honestly, uh, if Dundee United and Dundee were playing derbies, let's just say in Australia, I'd be like, that's generating money for my club. Like, the, 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 there's a huge difference between the Dundee derby and the Old Firm derby. I will go. I, I, I When Dundee United were relegated at Dens Park, I went up with my Dundee friends and my Dundee United friends to the ground. I shouted at my Dundee United friends for 90 minutes calling them all names under the sun. Then after that, I left it, feeling like this is one of the greatest results I've ever seen. We then go back to the pub, I meet my Dundee United friends, uh, and then basically the Dundee and Dundee United friends are all in the pub together, having a laugh, having a drink. And like it's just it's just a nice atmosphere. It's friendly. Right? Mm. Yeah, for 90 minutes, yeah, they're assholes, right? <laughs> <laughs> But, like, that's it. It doesn't go any further than that. And I do get, like, there's a lot more, like, uh, religious aspect to Celtic and Rangers and stuff like that. But I think for Rangers fans, this is short-sighted. This is very short-sighted, especially for a club that was just in administration not too long ago. Uh, Like, let's all remember, like, it was less than, it was, like, what, 10 years ago they were in administration? So let's... um, Let's think of this in a business sense. I don't. I mean, I already think football is commercialised to the point where it, it's commercialised. Right? Man United and Liverpool go on these friendlies and generate a ton of revenue. Right? And that's the thing. If if Rangers want to attract the best players to Rangers, right? They've got to be successful in Europe, which they're doing just now. They've got to be winning titles. They've just won their first title in so long, and they're going to have to have money. Right? If Celtic go and do this tour, if Celtic go and do this tournament, and let's say generate two million, right? Two million in the Scottish game is a huge deal, right? Mm-hmm. And like they could go out and buy, 
like some diddy player from the French League, right? Um, but hey. that, <laughs> but the, you know what I mean? Like that, that's the difference. Like two million. Because um, I say, well, how much was Christopher Julian? Christopher Julian was seven million, wasn't he? I believe that's roughly what we're getting. It's uh, it's a much higher than two million. It's meant okay, to be well, like a, a mass. I don't know how it's going to affect be affected by Rangers pulling out though, because they're obviously they paid for the old firm, but I guess they can't go back in the deal because uh, it wasn't sort of Celtic pulling out. Yeah, so I mean they'll, they'll still generate a lot of money for this. So like that's like a Christopher Julian, and Christopher Julian is a really good player. Well, was a really good player for Celtic, like mm. a couple of seasons back. So. It seems weird. I, do, I just don't get why Rangers fans are just shooting themselves in the foot right now. Because in a couple of years, let's say, uh, let's say Celtic do this every year, right, or right. every two years, right, and they get seven million, seven million, seven million. That's generating a lot more money than Rangers are generating. And then mm. after that, and then after that, Celtic are starting to sign uh, better players, players that have played in like Champions League, Europa League, mm. and Rangers are still like penny pinching from like teams from Dundee like Ross County and stuff like that or Celtic are getting these and then it could create like a new like a new norm of Celtic Rangers and then everyone else something I'd like to say on that as well of course there has been there has been a fair bit of uh, online debate among Rangers fans about how they can uh, handle this break coming up and it has been rumoured I'm not sure if you if you guys know, but there has been rumoured that we could or perhaps should I should say rather enter like a tournament with the clubs Rangers are tied to, so it'd be like Bengaluru, Orange County, Hamburg, Linfield, these sorts of teams. I feel that would still bring Rangers a fair amount of money, not least if we can get get it maybe in some sort of neutral country or somewhere like that, especially. Uh, in America, I would like to add, because I know Rangers have quite a broad reach in America. It would be nice to go over there and sort of expand that and explore that. Though India, I feel as well, is also a great commercial opportunity. Football is only it's ever growing in India. The appetite for it is amazing. And yeah, it would be nice to see Rangers tap into that, because India is still a sort of growing market too, as much as it's like expanding. It's still growing. It's still in its early stages. It would be nice to see, however, with the board and their sort of missteps in recent times, it's never guaranteed. Uh, although a lot of Rangers fans would like to see anything done with them, sort of. I was just going to say, like, I have to agree with Gavin on this. Like, you can't take the biggest rivalry in football and and make it a friendly. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. So I'd be like... I'd be like asking Luis Suarez and Patrice Evra to run a like a school's football camp together. Like you can't take like such a heated rivalry and hatred for each other and say, right, play in an exhibition match and get on, shake hands at the end of it. Like ha- have a great holiday. Like you can't do that. It just it doesn't make any sense. If you take teams like um River Plate and Boca Juniors you won't get them playing in the friendly together. It just doesn't work that way. It's understandable with teams like Liverpool and Man United playing playing a friendly because even though it even though it's a rivalry, it's nowhere near the same size. That makes sense. But again, um, it's it's not going to be full Rangers and full Celtic. Like Celtic have got how many like t- players that'll be going to the World Cup? Like Kyogo, Hate, uh, Hatate, they'll be playing for Japan. Like Rangers, um, what a uh, um, all, all, the, all the Scottish players, if they go, you got Aaron Ramsey as well. Um, yeah. it's, got... it's, it's not a, it's not a full, it's not full blooded, and that's mm. the thing. Like, if you're put, if you can send it like the names of Celtic and Rangers, and send it your B team and get seven million pounds, right? Why not do it? Like, and that's the thing. I, I, I just think it's short sighted. I honestly, I honestly do. I think the Rangers are shooting themselves in the foot of this, and if, again. Celtic are like trying to expand and branch out. I don't see I don't see a problem with commercialising the derby because it's already commercialised enough. Like it's all over Sky Sports, like the weekly up to it's Celtic versus Rangers, like Clash of the Titans, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like playing it in a different country, it's just like and plus 
it is a friendly. It isn't actually... If this match this weekend against Celtic was played, Mike, in Australia, yes, that would be an issue because it's a competitive match and then the fans should be able to see it. But this is a friendly. Like this is a, this is an international challenge match. Right? This shouldn't be an issue. That's what I mean. If you, you Like you say, you're generating money for the club and you're missing the B team of both teams playing each other in a different country for seven million. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see how it is an issue. I mean I might again, I might just know I might not just get it being like a Dundee fan. But if your B team's playing in a different country and an international challenge match, it shouldn't be an issue. I will say that Celtic have made out of this deal very good because they didn't they got an initial sort of backlash from the fans. But then, sort of, when it came out about the Ange Postacoglu stuff, the fans sort of turned and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, this is quite funny that this is happening." And then Rangers have now backed out, and Celtic are going to get the money anyway, and they don't have to play the fixture. So they've sort of lucked out in the extreme. Yeah, like I say, this is a good deal for Celtic, and Rangers pulling out uh, because the fans threw, well, basically try to this what do you call it, rain. Tennis balls and toilet paper over Dens Park is is dumb because even saw like Alan McGregor told him, like what the fuck are you doing and even Van Bronckhorst was like what are they doing? Is like, this the real reason that you're against this because they messed up Dens Park? And they don't <laughs> the money. <laughs> Let's be honest. You were, were ahead in the game and it ruined your momentum. That's what this is. That's what relegated you. That's yeah. friendly. To be fair, with, even with the toilet rolling, without the toilet rolling the tennis balls, Dan's Park's a mess. Like it didn't need that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> did they not get? Did you not get a game postponed because it was structurally unsafe? Oh no, yeah, but Dan's Park has been structurally unsafe for like the last twenty years. I'm surprised that um, <laughs> the still standing. To be fair, like it's honestly, it's honestly really, really bad. But hopefully, for the future, we'll have. Uh, the new stadium, which will be called the New Campy, which is at Camperdown Park. <laughs> yes, puns, <laughs> and hopefully then, and that, that's a different that, that's a different uh, podcast episode in itself. It's me talking about the the Dundee Stadium. <laughs> me. I'll go on about that for a while. Right, uh, I would want to call it here, lads. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Unless it's anyone else has anything they want to talk about. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm quite comfortable. Um. So it's uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Thomas. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Gavin. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Austin. Bye. And uh, I, I would like to, uh, for everyone just to like, share, and subscribe to the Sports Boys. And yeah, it's goodbye from us. Ciao. Ciao.